Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are getting curious about change, the catalysts for change, the reasons it's hard to change, and why allowing ourselves to change in ways that align us better with our true selves is really the only path to personal growth. Um, there are some so overused <laughs> and overposted quotes about change, but they the reason that they're overused and overposted is because they hit, they resonate, right? <laughs> so let's throw a few of them out there. So there's the good old, we change when the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. I know we all feel that one. Uh, another one I like, why people change because they've learned a lot they've suffered enough or they've become tired of always the same thing those are two pretty popular ones um probably because they're both true <laughs> and a lot of times it it does take a catalyst right and a pretty painful one at that like i feel like it's usually something pretty painful and life-altering happens to us in order for us to go through any type of real significant lasting change. Like very few of us just wake up one day and say, well, <laughs> our life and circumstances are pretty much the same as they were yesterday, but I think today's the day. Today's the day I'll change. It just doesn't usually happen that way. And it's, it is most often because something extremely painful has happened to us. Uh, to me, when those big things happen, it's, <laughs> my woo-woo side preface i think a lot of times that is the culmination of the universe trying to give us hints and nudges and putting the same lesson in front of us over and over again you know the first time first few times it's it's gentle and then it's a bit more forcefully and then if we're still not getting it you know the universe just cranks up that volume just increases the power on that message you know, more and more and more. And if we still don't get it, that's when the universe has to take drastic measures. <laughs> and it is, it is unfortunate that this is human nature to only change when something really bad happens in our life. But it's also better than resisting change by living in denial forever, right? And a lot of times we have that inner knowing. We know that we need to change. There's something it's kind of a friction point. It's in the back of our head. Like there's some sort of cognitive dissonance that we're experiencing. Some part of us knows that part of our life is not working for us. We know we're doing things that are not good for us. We're numbing ourselves. We're dissociating. We're making excuses. We're procrastinating. We're talking ourselves out of our ability to even make a big change in our lives. I'm too old. It's too late. I'm too young. Uh, I don't have enough money, whatever. We all have our upper limit things that keep us small or try to keep us small. And those things that we do to numb or distract ourselves, they, they typically come with a healthy, like a healthy dose of shame too. Like, you know, you know exactly the things I'm talking about drinking, drugs, sex, overeating, all these very self-sabotaging coping mechanisms that we use to avoid the pain of feeling what's there. But 
here's the catch. If you don't feel it, you can't fix it. I'm gonna say that again. If you don't feel it, you can't fix it. If you don't allow yourself to sit with the pain and fully feel it, then you're never gonna be able to fix it. You're gonna keep letting those little artificial dopamine hits win over your long-term health and goals, your best self. You're gonna give in to that, that false sense of comfort of those things in the short term, those short-term duct tape fixes, and you're gonna sacrifice that long-term vision of who you really want to be. And we have to make day-to-day -day decisions in the best interest of our future selves, right? Not who we are today, because who we are today is struggling. Who we are today is out of alignment. Who we are today knows something is off, knows something is wrong. So we can't make the same types of decisions that we're making today and expect to get somewhere new. I'm sure you have all heard this, you know, insanity, definition, doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So we can't look at this from the perspective of who we are now. We have to make decisions in the best interest of us in the future. Because that's the only way that we're going to get to that best future self by doing the things that they would do today that will ultimately get us to that place then, that place of better health and more joy, more fulfillment, more love. And let's just be like super straight up about something here. So, <laughs> No one can be shamed into changing. Making someone feel bad about who they are now does not create a psychologically safe environment for anyone to feel like they can be totally honest and upfront and authentic about the things that they are most ashamed of within themselves. And if, you know, who they are is met with judgment or criticism, then of course, the normal human response to those things is either knee-jerk defensiveness or withdrawal. This is our parasympathetic nerve system, our fight-flight-freeze response. Like, we either, you know, get on the defensive or we freeze or we pull back. We don't want to deal with it. Very Homer Simpson backing into the bush meme. And we may be harsh with people because we care about them, right? And we feel like nothing else has worked and we feel really frustrated and, you know, just exacerbated. And like, you know, it just feels like a last resort sometimes to unleash on somebody who just want to like shake by the shoulders and be like, change, damn it. <laughs> we care about someone and we don't know what else to do. But people only change when they are ready to change, when they have burned all the bridges, when they've lost the things that are important to them, whatever their rock bottom looks like, that is typically what it takes for real, real substantial lasting change. And, you know, let's be clear, one person's rock bottom might look very different from another person's and only the person experiencing it can ever experience that tipping point moment. And it's often incredibly painful it's a very painful revelation that's basically the sum of all of their own choices. And the fact that the sum of those choices was exactly what landed them here in this place of isolation, fear, loneliness, depression, hopelessness. 
And, you know, <laughs> don't think that you're pointing something out to this person that they are not likely already acutely, painfully aware of about themselves. The vast majority of the time, people know how much they're hurting themselves and possibly you and others. Um, <laughs> I always have movie quotes running through my head and the one that just popped in was this great movie called Where the Heart Is, bit of a rom-com. Uh, this was Natalie Portman, I believe, and Ashley Judd. And at one point, um, Natalie Portman is staying with this awesome older woman and somebody steals her baby, which is so terrible. And the cops come to this woman's house who she's staying with, like where the baby was stolen from. And he asks her, you know, is there anybody who'd want to get back at you, who you've wronged, you know, is there anybody who you think would have motivation to do something like this to you? And I love her response. She was like, sir, I'm an alcoholic. We're typically content to just hurt ourselves. <laughs> and that ties right back into this. Like, don't think that it's just you that they're hurting or that it's malicious intent. Oftentimes they are hurting themselves way worse and on a way more regular basis than they are hurting anyone else, and they are aware. They are very aware of it. So, it's very hard to accept our pain. It's so hard to just sit in that dark place. Of course, we don't want to accept our pain, like, pain sucks. But, <laughs> here's another great quote, what we resist persists. <laughs> And what we accept changes eventually. But the confounding part of this is that we can't accept something while having an agenda to make it go away. It just won't work. We have to approach it with sincerity and humility. And we have to be genuinely willing to accept this thing as part of our lives in order to change it. The other thing I think happens a lot is that we try to get people to change when they don't have, like, an alternative, like a soft landing spot. Um, I remember hearing this story on a podcast. It was about this young American man who was recruited into an extremist terrorist group. And it was clear that, you know, he knew that he wasn't on the up and up, like, ethically, morally. Um, he knew he was not on the side of good he knew he was hurting people and he seemed to actually want to leave this group. And when the journalist interviewing him asked why he hadn't left, he basically said that he felt like he didn't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> His parents were separated and they both lived in another country and he didn't have any close friends or a significant other. And, and he knew that a lot of the stuff he was involved in went against his own moral compass, but his desire to belong to something outweighed that. Like for him, being part of that group had become so core to his identity. And if he was going to leave, he had to go somewhere. He had to have somewhere else to go. Otherwise, he'd have to do like one of the hardest, if not the hardest things he'd ever done in his life without having a parachute, without having anything to fill that void, that community 
that gave him a sense of belonging and purpose. And people have to just, they have to have somewhere else to go. They have to have alternate options somewhere else that they can like redirect their energy, other communities that they feel that they can become a part of and a sense of belonging with. Like asking anyone to make a major life change when they feel like they have nothing to supplement that thing, it's just very unlikely to be effective, right? And I also think that there's kind of a push-pull element to change. Like I've heard that, you know, it's better to be pulled towards something that you do want versus pushed away from something you don't want, you know, trying to get away from what you don't want. And honestly, I think there's truth to both. I think that these are not mutually exclusive things. Like both can be true and both can be effective motivators for change. Like using myself as an example, like last year when I decided I no longer wanted to work for a big corporation, you know, that realization I feel like it came from both a feeling of push and pull. You know, my my team had recently been restructured, which meant me reporting to a new manager. And after a few months of, you know, that difficult situation, I was just like, oh, I can never do this again. I can never work for this type of person. Like, this is killing me. Um, you know, I was pushing away what I didn't want. But then I also did want to dictate my own professional path. You know, that was the pull. That was the pull towards what I do want. You know, I didn't want to rent out my time at a rate set by someone else. And I also did want to make my own schedule and work from wherever I wanted and do more things creatively and get to keep like 100% of the profits that I made <laughs> from my hard work. And it was the combination of all those things that led me to that drastic change of leaving the corporate world and starting my own business. Um, there's a, a Carl Jung quote. So he says, you will always become the thing you fight the most, which is very similar to Eckhart Tolle's, you know, what you resist persists. So the whole quote of Eckhart Tolle, he says, whatever you fight, you strengthen and what you resist persists. Um, another one that I really like is from uh, Pema Pema Chodron, um, she, oh, this is such a great quote. So she says, let difficulty transform you and it will. In my experience, we just need help in learning how not to run away. That is the hardest part. We are all in some way, shape or form throughout our daily lives, trying to escape a reality that we don't prefer. <laughs> and I think there are probably four predominant ways that we resist reality. I think one is denying that it's happening at all. I think another is minimizing the problem. Number three, I would say, is blaming other people or situations. Or the fourth, I think, is trying to change other people. Um, there's a book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It is a fantastic book, just a lot of very solid life advice. And it's pretty short too, like you could knock it out in a few days. Um, highly recommend. So he tells this story about two people who are walking in the street on a rainy day and a bus passes by like too close to the curb and the water just splashes up and, and soaks both of them. And he just, you know, kind of goes into the difference in their reactions. Um, how one just kind of brushed it off and the other was like, what the damn hell? 
you know, like cursing the heavens, angry fist, like watch where you're going, you know, and, <laughs> and this is because of our internal issues and our subjective perceptions of the world. This is what is forming how we approach these types of situations and any type of external stimulus that we don't anticipate and that we can't control that just happens. These things just happen. And so one is annoyed, but decides to laugh at it. And the other is still screaming and swearing at the bus driver. And you know, the first one, he'll recover within like five minutes. And the second will still be mad the next day and like just stewing in his own resentment and not letting it go. And it's about that shift in our mindset when we're confronted with the same situation or problem that we've encountered plenty of times before, you know, maybe in a different, you know, costume or disguise, but the same basic issue. And when we know we've changed is when we choose to handle that same thing differently. Because the hard things in life are not just going to suddenly cease to happen because we've decided to change. If anything, our decision to change will be the reason we approach those situations differently and in a healthier way. Uh, a couple weekends ago, I was driving to the only Trader Joe's in the Charleston area. <laughs> I make one trek a week over to Mount Pleasant to Trader Joe's because it's a good 20, 25 miles away from where I live. But I love it so much that I was on my weekly voyage to Trader Joe's. And this guy just cut me off in traffic. Um, no signal, whatever, you know, obviously coming from LA, a lot of road rage, dealt with a lot of traffic. But when I got up to the light and pulled up in the lane right next to him, I rolled my window down and then he, <laughs> he rolled his window down and kind of stared at me with like a, with a look that was like, try me, try me, go off on me, see how it goes. Like, I am not sorry, and I'm about to unleash on you if you even attempt to make me feel bad about what I did back there. And honestly, like, L.A. Kristen from five years ago, like, she would have given him the finger. She would have said, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, she would have probably lost it. But I looked at this guy, and I just tried to shout, because, you know, he's probably a good, like, 15, 20 feet away. And I just said, are you okay? And I looked at him with a look of intense sympathy, like, are you okay? Like, who hurt you? <laughs> and for me, I was like, oh, that's probably an indicator of growth too. <laughs> and like, those are those little moments in the day to day when I personally know that I've changed. Like when I choose to be less reactive in th those types of situations, like when I feel my heart rate increase and I feel the heat in my face and feel my fist clenching, but I do not let my initial anger run the show or dictate my behavior. Like my anger might be riding shotgun, but I'm driving. And there's two big ideas that I, I kind of want to leave you with here. So the ideas are identity foreclosure and something called the sunk costs fallacy, two psychological concepts that I think tie in to this idea. So in Adam Grant's book, Think Again, again, I highly, highly recommend that book. It's amazing. Adam Grant is like a top thinker of our time, in my opinion. So what he says about identity foreclosure is that 
identity foreclosure is when you settle prematurely on a sense of who you are and close your mind to alternate selves. Maybe you were too attached to an early idea of what school you would go to, what kind of person you'd marry, or what career you'd choose. Foreclosing on one identity is like following a GPS that gives you the right directions to the wrong destination. Research suggests that instead of foreclosing on one identity, we're better off trying on a range of possible selves and opening our mind to new identities opens new doors. That's the quote. So then something that I think ties in is the other psychological concept of the sunk costs fallacy. So that is basically our tendency to continue with an endeavor that we've invested money, effort, time into, even if the current costs are outweighing the benefits. So this is our resistance to abandoning a pursuit that we know is not worthwhile, but we've already poured so much into it, so much time, money, energy, whatever, that we feel like we have to stick with it no matter what, like we're in too deep now. And when you pair those two things together, and we have a predominant reason, I think, why so many people never make changes that they probably want to, like why they never quit the job that they hate, why they never move out of their hometown, why they never leave an abusive partner or never launch that business that they've always dreamed of. And identity foreclosure, it, it's not just about the big things in life. It is any quality or interest that we've decided is part of our identity. You know, I'm a morning person. I'm a dog person. I'm an introvert. I'm a podcast person. I'm a fantasy football aficionado. And all of these self-identifiers they can subconsciously create constraints about how we perceive ourselves and how we want others to perceive us. And this can sometimes make it really hard for us to change. You know, those identifiers, like they can be good in that they help us find our tribe, but they're only good to the point that they actually align with the person that we are. And who we are changes, everybody changes. Our interests, our values, you know, even our favorite color, like I was, my favorite color was blue for the longest time. Now it's green. You know, we're allowed to change. We're the only one whose permission we need to change. And I think that it can just, those things can sometimes make it really hard for us to change. If the thing that we're interested in changing would mean letting go of one of those components of our identity. Like 10 years ago, I would bet money that a lot of my friends would call me like the party friend. Like I lived in Hollywood in my mid twenties through my early thirties. And I like to have fun. I like to go out. I like to dance. I like to drink. And I'm not saying that I'm like, Oh, I'm enlightened now. I don't do any of those things. Like, no, that's not true. I still like doing those things now and then, but I do them way less. And you know, now my favorite thing is actually sound like such a grandma. Like, it's my morning routine. It's like waking up at 5 a.m., you know, walking my dog, you know, while the sun is coming up and everything just feels very calm and still. And I like my meditation retreat. Like I like writing in my journal. I like reading my morning passages. Like it just makes me feel good to start the day. And, you know, I used to make fun of my sister for being like, the woo-woo one between us. And now I feel like I am way more woo-woo than she ever was, you know, 
bit of a hypocrisy thing, but like, here we are, you know, past Kristen is like writing checks that future Kristen can't cash. Like I might change, who knows? We're all allowed. Even like hair color, I was blonde my whole life. Then last October, decided to dye my hair brunette. And like, I'm, I'm back to blonde now. But the point is that like at that time, I felt like I needed that change. And I also used to say I'd never get a tattoo, but I did that last September also, literally on the same day that I dyed my hair. Like, whew, y'all, that was a day. <laughs> and we might think that if we make these types of changes, big or small, that we'll be going outside of this perception we've created of ourselves. You know, my friends and family, they know me as this thing, so this is who I am, and they won't understand this change. They'll judge me. But the people who are really your people, they will accept all evolutions of you. They don't love you because you have a prestigious job title or because you live in a certain place or because of any physical attribute. And it's reasonable to think that the people closest to us might struggle with our change. They might not show us the level of support that we want, but most of the time it's, it's not about us. You know, big changes in people close to you, that forces self-reflections and self-evaluations. And when people close to us make big changes, we immediately think about our own lives. You know, if they quit their job to start a business, you might feel anger, you know, you might feel fear for them, no longer having a steady paycheck, or maybe you feel envy because you hate your job too, or, or yeah, maybe anger, like because their change is disrupting your life in a real material way. But we can't stay in the identity this like constrictive identity box we've made for ourselves just to keep other people happy. And if they really love us, they would never want us to do that. So yes, we all know that change is inevitable, that the only constant in life is change. And it doesn't mean that we have to like it or even welcome it, but we do ultimately have to accept it. We have to trust that when things change, it's because there's a lesson that we need to learn or there's a way we still need to grow. We are more adaptable than I think we give ourselves credit for. And we can choose to see those changes that challenge us as kind of the directional shifts in our journey that are really guiding us towards our purpose. So I hope that was helpful. I appreciate you tuning in. I'll be back next Tuesday. And until then, stay curious.